Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast, episode 129. We've already made it to 129 episodes. Yulon, can you even believe it? Nope. Me neither. Uh, my name is Chris. I keep thinking every week you're going to give up. Just quit. Just stop. Just give it up. Hang it up. Sooner or later. We made our 36, and, you know, we're done. True. Probably um, retire. <laughs> call it a day. All right. Off to a great start. Glad you're here, by the way. Thanks for telling a friend. I'm, I'm a little discombobulated. I was doing, just trying to get my headphones straight. They're doing this weird thing. We're, we talked about this recently. They're panning yeah. back and forth. Freaks me out. Feels weird. Anyway. You should right. quit with the drugs. <laughs> that would help. Here we are, episode. Uh, it took 129 episodes for us to get here and for me to find out that uh, Mr. Hulon's never had a Guinness. That's a fact. I happen to know because I Facebook stalk your family because how else, you know. Because you, you're weird. How else Continue. Would, how else would you stay my friend unless I was able to say, okay, but just so you know, <laughs> I'm um, I know your brother's a big fan. And... Yeah, I don't even know if he knows that I've never had one. I happen to be a big fan because I was introduced to the history of the family. There's a great book called The Search for God in Guinness. You ever heard of it? You ever talked about this? Uh, uh, we may have talked about that before. If you don't know, the Guinness family essentially, uh, they invented Sunday school. That is 100% true. Uh, well, at least they funded it in the very early renditions of Sunday school was so that poor children could go be educated and it would happen in the churches on Sundays that they could go to school. And the Guinness family funded that and made that happen. Uh, they had hospital care they provided for all their workers, housing they provided for their workers, just really, really, really good people. Um, and did a lot, a lot for Ireland and the world at large, really, uh, that, that people just don't know enough about to give them enough credit. So... I'm a fan. I, I got no ill will towards Guinness, um, but that was interesting to hear. I feel like that's one of the things that if somebody's going to have a beer to try a beer, that'd be the beer. The biggest mistake would be, let me grab a Bud Light. I see these commercials everywhere. Yeah, I guess I've been uh, living wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're talk we're yep. talking about the beer itself, though. Yeah. Uh, I've always thought it was like described as being very filling mm -hmm. and so in order to drink more than i probably should i felt like so what's not the one i wanted what you're saying is i don't like guinness because <laughs> you really can't get drunk off of it like i gotta be able to just, like, if i can't get six down the gullet within the hour yeah. move like, on if i can't get 19 bush lights in I don't know why I'm trying. <laughs> that's what that's all about. All right. Uh, welcome to the program. This week, our charity of choice is Operation Underground Railroad. You know the drill, but did you know January is National Inhuman Trafficking Month? We're all going to be wearing blue on the 11th. You can find more information at ourrescue.org. Operation Underground Railroad goes around the world and around the country and they rescue children and some adults uh, from human trafficking, but they do specialize 
in finding kids who are being exploited in uh, video and photos, and they rescue the children, they provide them aftercare, and then they serve up some justice to the perps. And so they're pretty awesome people. Go check them out, OURrescue.org, lest I forget. Okay. We're going to move along whether these headphones want to play along or not. I might end up just taking them off. I might end up just taking them off. I want to point one thing out that I uh, I learned today before we dive into the rundown, which here's what we're going to talk about. The Trump rally in D.C. coming up. They've called out the National Guard to assist local police. The Proud Boys will be there. Antifa is going to be there. It is not going to be a pretty scene. Uh, I thought you were going to say it was going to be a party. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a good time. Sure. Travis Haley had something to say about that. You'll share that with us, right? Yeah, um, he tweeted, Guinness for everyone. <laughs> All right. No, well, wait. No. I'm going. Nope. Wrong guy. Sorry. The Daily Wire has a story about old Kamala Mala Harris. Could this woman be any more fake and pandering? And like, are people not fed up with just being pandered to? Like it really is a form of exploitation and condescension, right? Don't we reach a point? It's sort of where, like the ultimate insult. Yeah, yeah. Because they're they are flat out assuming everyone is dumber than them. That which I think right. you need that mentality to be a politician. I, I do think, in that, fairness, yeah. No, I think that that mindset is largely prevalent. Yeah, it's called being in an egomaniac. Circles. Yes, you would know. Well, yeah, well done. I deal with one every day. <laughs> um, so it turns out she stole a story about, I teed it up for you. You did. Be you swinging you over set there. that one, set that one right on the tee, buddy. Um, Harris stole, first of all, her story, the story, I, I had never heard her say this. It's, if you believe this story that she told in the first place, I truly believe you're part of the problem in this country because so many people are so apt to just believe what they're told, to believe what they read, to believe what people seeking power have to say. Uh, I'm Especially bothered. when it's repeated to them. I'm just bothered by the fact that anyone would ever believe that this woman, because her story is that she, as a child, as a toddler, was being marched in a civil rights protest fell out of the stroller. Her parents, enraptured with the joy of protest, did not notice she had fallen out of the stroller until a while later. And when they came back to find the young toddler, who, by the way, young toddler, not walking, not old enough to run and catch up with mom and dad, apparently not capable at whatever age she supposedly was, of yelling out to them to stop and help her. But as they ran back to grab her, her mother sensed that she was cross and said, what do you want, child? And Kamala claims that she looked up at her mother and said, freedom. Not a joke. Totally believable. Not the Babylon Bee. That's what she says actually happened. Turns out she stole the story. We'll tell you who she stole it from and how unforgivable it really is. Uh, it actually puts her in line, by the way. It puts her in line with Al Sharpton. 
I believe it's Sharpton that lied about where he was when Dr. King was assassinated and then wiped the blood on his own collar. There's that famous story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we'll give you our vote of the week. Emmanuel Cleaver of Missouri (laughs) praying to the Hindu god of creation to open up the 117th Congress and in so doing, making a total fool of himself. Give you all that and more. But first, let me share this with you. I'm in the grocery store. And I'm looking down, I'm at the self-checkout, right? And I'm looking down and I'm watching the cashiers and they're scanning people's groceries and the people are handing things freely back and forth. My mom posted a thing on Facebook this week. I feel like you're describing a super spreader event, sir. It is. It is. You're not wrong. My mom posted a thing on Facebook facebook earlier this week where she said um and i don't know if it was her original thought or not so if it's something she stole off of a meme well she's a thief um just a regular camilla but that's where i saw it yeah exactly and she said um thank you plexiglass for protecting me from (laughs) the cashier said it already yeah for protecting me from the cashier who just handled Every single item I'll now be taking home. Right. And it's funny because there's so much truth to it. And so maybe I was thinking about that a little bit tonight. And I looked down and I saw the cashier. And I was also thinking about it because I was at self-checkout and the person monitoring self-checkout refused to come near me. I needed them to scan the item and unlock the thingy Madooopper. And they, they did it remotely. Didn't walk over, didn't do anything. Just were like, you're good, you're good. I'm not coming over there. And it felt that way. It wasn't like a matter of convenience. It was I was the only person at self-checkout. They were all the way over at customer service. So there's a solid 30 feet between us, and they just refused to walk over. And so it felt like I'm not coming near you. But I look down, I see the people scanning the items. Is it because you look sick? Yes. You're like wiping your nose on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sneezing all over everything. It's a good time inside that mask. Um, <laughs> how are those people doing that? You think our mask wearers, are they like pulling the mask down to sneeze? Are they like, do you move the mask? Oh, yeah. Have you, into see, your have you not seen the videos of the guys like literally walking through a store and they'll take the mask off and cough and then put it back? No. Yeah, it's a real thing. No, but it makes sense. You don't want those germs hanging around no, your mouth. No, no, no. That's the whole point That's of the how mask. You get sick. Yeah, whole point of the mask. Um, <laughs> I don't have that problem because I actually wear a scuba tank when I go out, so self-contained. So. I like that. So I like. That. I'm in the clear. Makes total sense. Where is that right now? Because that would be fun. Uh, I'll bring it next week. Hypocrite. Um. Yeah, I, I guess I don't care if I bring the germs here and get you sick. Fair enough, I'm worth losing. But it is kind of, it kind of is my point, right? Is that when you look down and you see all these people and they're handling food and you think this idea of people are willing to take that risk. We're being so over the top in everything else we do, but when it comes time to go buy your food, pick. Your, we talked about this in March. How funny it was that there's no consistency in. I'm going to be super safe and wear my mask, but I'm going to eat to-go food. 
well, that guy's wearing a mask. Yeah, come on. Come on, though. Really? Like, if you're being sincere about it, you're staying as clean as possible, as sanitary as possible. You're not eating to-go food. You're not eating out right now. If you're really afraid of it enough, right? And so my point is, it's interesting to me that people are willing to take the risk to get the food and the necessities. Because why? Well, because there's certain things in life that make the risk worthwhile. So where the, the problem I have with the whole thing I decided tonight is that we have decided certain people are allowed to draw that line for us. There's nobody that denies the fact that we should all still be going to the grocery store and getting groceries, getting our medications at the pharmacy, everything we need to do at the grocery store, because those are essentials to life. The problem I have with it is that who's deciding what's essential? Who's the one that's going, well, this is essential and this is not? And I know we've talked about that before, but it's just more and more evident every day that, A, as we well know, we've allowed the government to arbitrarily draw these lines, and B, we're allowing society to decide who amongst us is essential, what activities are essential. Who gets to decide that for you? It should be you. It should be you. It shouldn't be the government. And so I just feel like if you're getting in those conversations and people are arguing with you about the masks, I feel like it's a fair point to just say, but you know as well as I do that there's certain things in life that are worth the risk. I had a doctor's appointment this morning. Isn't that life, though? Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. I mean, isn't that how, whether you realize it or not, on a subconscious level, you're doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. I would say most of your thoughts on a subconscious level are probably centered around the fact of, will I die if I do this? Right, right. I mean, that, that's just a, a fact of human nature. I'm kind of like the airplane rider of the mask wearers, right? Like the panic mask wearers think COVID's yes. going to kill them tomorrow. That's a, that's a fantastic analogy for you. When I get on the plane, I feel like it's the last moments of my life. I hate being on airplanes. I don't like flying at all. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit. I've gotten to the point where I can tolerate it, but... I mean, if you'd have found me three or four years ago, no way. Why would I get on a plane? Well, to go here ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. I would say even two years ago. That's probably fair. So that's how I feel. But flying is a heck of a lot safer than even contracting COVID. And contracting COVID is still super-duper safe. It's still a lot safer than many types of cancer you can end up with tomorrow. You know, and we don't know the long term effects. I get that. I think we're seeing that. I think uh, the gentleman in Louisiana showed that. Um, he had a heart attack following COVID, by the way. Uh, I've heard of that in my personal life where people are getting COVID and then heart attacks following the COVID symptoms. So maybe there's something to be said there. It's worth not getting COVID if you don't have to get COVID. But what was interesting to me today is I had a doctor's appointment 8 o'clock this morning, and he and I get to chit-chatting, and he was telling me, yeah, uh, I got my COVID shot. Um, I'm getting my second dose uh, either today or tomorrow. Haven't heard yet. And I said, yeah. He said, yeah. I said, let me ask you a question. Um, Here's the only thing that concerns me about a COVID vaccine for myself. Not that I would refuse to get it. If it was available to me, I'd probably go get it. Like, why not not get sick, right? So my concern is, will I get sick with it? Because every time I get the flu shot, guess what? I get super duper sick that year. Same. Super sick. So if it's going to be like that, I'm not going to do it. Because I feel like I'd rather, you know, 
survive <laughs> when I do get it and then just not get it again, then go and get it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. what's the point? You're going to get it anyway. Why go get it? I did some research on the vaccine, and I don't think it works the same way as a flu vaccine. So you're like your typical flu vaccine. They, they're basically giving you a low dose so that your body then can attack it and, and essentially learn how to. But I think right. this is a little different, and I can't remember exactly what they called it, uh, but it, it functions in a different way. So it's not – you're not giving, uh, you know, yourself the disease in order to uh, – yeah teach your body so this this works a little bit differently well the takeaway from my doctor for me was when i asked that question he said well um we're not real sure yet it's still a new vaccine so i wouldn't answer you that as your doctor but what i do know is that after my second round i'll be about 90 percent immune to it and i couldn't help but notice (laughs) i know it's a little naive because, yes, why not be 90% immune to something that could potentially kill you? Yes, of course. But it is kind of funny to think, okay, but you're 90% immune. But even if you do get it, you're still 99.5% likely to survive it. So why are we making such a deal out of we got to run and get in line and take this vaccine? Just a crazy time, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think it kind of goes back to part of the discussion we had either last week or the week before about people like Fauci getting up there and telling us how it's going to be, um, yeah. where they, they're clearly uh, you know, not giving us the full picture. I don't think we've been, been getting the full picture of this from the get-go, which is obviously my issue with it. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, it's the, the narrative is continually being shifted on purpose in order to keep a certain level of fear up and it's working on a lot of people. You know, I think back to your argument about essential, you know, activities or uh, jobs or whatever you want to talk about. I think a lot of that comes back to uh, the idea that if you, if you want to stay home and you want to quarantine, then you should be able to do that, but you shouldn't have the right to tell me to do it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, as a as a country and a society, maybe we faltered because we we didn't we we let the fear overcome us and didn't um, you know hold true to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know I, I'm obviously this is the first quote unquote pandemic that I've ever been through, but it seems to me uh, that history would teach us that you don't quarantine everyone right. because some people are sick. Yeah. Um, it's not the first epidemic, certainly. What? So, yeah. Weird. I didn't know that. So uh, I feel like I feel like we could examine history there and, and probably come up with a, a much better plan than uh, we just all start screaming at the same time and running around in circles. Not as long as Donald Trump is president. That is fair. That is your problem. Just so we're yep. clear. Okay, well, Biden's going to fix it for us. Biden's going to take control. The darkest days are ahead of us. Yep, that is true. That's a direct quote. And if they are, are you ready? Look at that segue. Wow. You should be. 
Uh, you can get insurance for the unknown. If our darkest days are ahead of us, you're going to need food and water. If you like to drink some coffee, grab some coffee. It's all available at feltrecoalshow.com slash mypatriotsupply. Food and water, the top two true essentials for survival. If you lose your job, if Joe Biden becomes president, if a murder hornet attacks you, whatever happens and you need something to live off of, up to 25 years shelf life on the food, up to 30 years on the coffee, My Patriot Supply. Right now, we have a link available for you to go get 720 servings of Franklin's Finest Coffee with a 30-year shelf life. Plus, there's other specials on there on long-term food storage and survival essentials like solar power and water filtration. Check it out. Click the link at feltrecoalshow.com slash mypatriotsupply. So, uh, Sunday, uh, I was having a conversation with my wife, and she goes, hey, I'm going to run to the store, go get some groceries for the week. I said, great. I said, uh, do me a favor. Since you're going, maybe load up. And she's like, what is that supposed to mean? I said, I want you to get more than you would normally get to get us through the week. I said, let's just just plan ahead a little bit. She stopped what she's doing. As she's putting her coat on in the kitchen, and she turns around and looks at me, and she goes, what did Trump do now? <laughs> and I thought, that is a good question. Uh, that's funny. Um, so then we got into a, a spirited conversation about uh, what's going on with the election and the shenanigans that are, are obviously coming um, any day now in D.C. with all of this. So um, Your poor wife can't even go to the grocery store. <laughs> That you having to get her all riled up with your politics and yeah. doomsday prep scenarios. Yeah, she said something like that with <laughs> different words, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and and to that point, um, uh, she went to the store and I kind of took inventory of what we had um, as far as long-term food storage mm-hmm. and went ahead and placed another order with my Patriot Supply to Smart go ahead man. and load up some more. So I, we already have... I would say a fair amount, but I, I feel like um, when it comes to something like that, the, the the moment you feel like you have enough, you're probably lying to yourself. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's one of those kind of things where we just order a little bit here and there and um, we got a shelf in the garage and we just load it up. Stash it away. Yep. Smart man. So, to your point about the unrest, uh, the D.C. mayor has called in the National Guard Head of pro-Trump protests. I like how that's phrased by the ner- uh, the Mercury News. Mercury News. Were you about to say the com. nerd news? The nerd news. Felt like that was coming out. It would be easier to say for me. Bracing for possible violence, the nation's capital has mobilized the National Guard ahead of planned protests by President Donald Trump's supporters in connection with the congressional vote expected Wednesday to affirm Joe Biden's elective victory. Election victory. Trump's supporters are planning to rally Tuesday and Wednesday, seeking to bolster the president's unproven claims of widespread voter fraud. There are people intent on coming to our city armed, D.C. Acting Police Chief Robert Conti said. A pro-Trump rally in December ended in violence as hundreds of Trump supporters wearing signature black and yellow of the Proud Boys sought out confrontations with a collective of local activists... (laughs) Sure. Attempting to bar them from Black Lives Matter Plaza, an area near the White House. Uh, So they're going back 
Proud Boys will be there. Antifa will be there again. Black Lives Do you Lives think the Matter. local guys are? Do you think that's like um, the the uh, the guys studying for their law degrees at Georgetown? Yes. When they say that, one hundred percent. Just check. One hundred percent. I would. Are you a supporter of the idea of joining these types of protests? Would you ever be caught at one of these? No. Why no, absolutely not. Well, I I don't. First off, I don't think they accomplish anything. No? Huh? Yeah. I know. Sorry. I didn't mean to shock you. If the founders had thought like you do, wouldn't have my second amendment. Yeah, I don't correct you're you're pretty big George Washington historian, I would say. Uh, maybe. Um we'll call you an amateur. There you go. George Washington historian. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. Sure. That's a nice compliment. Yes, I'll take it. Normally I call you an idiot. Yep. So you mm-hmm. should be an happy. egomaniac earlier. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me about a time when George Washington, uh, gathered up all his buddies Mm -hmm. and, uh, went out Mm -hmm. to protest against the king and he just marched around and yelled at people Mm -hmm. and maybe threw some stuff, smashed up a Starbucks. (laughs) Tell me about that story. I was thinking there's one from Christmas 1776 where he crossed an icy river. That uh, sounds fun. And and slaughtered. Well, he didn't actually. They had abandoned the fort, right? They had retreated, so he was able to take take the fort there in Trenton, right? Okay, So. so I feel like what you're describing is more like a military action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about more like what can we do... For George Washington, okay, yeah. 1776, yeah. what can we do to put on Instagram so everybody knows we're tough? <laughs> yeah, we went and did something. I mean, I, so, you know, I was telling you earlier today, I have family, extended family going. I support them in going if they want to go. I wouldn't tell them not to go. But I fall into your line of thinking of, okay, but what are we really going to do about it? What is really gonna what's the outcome of even a million people showing up there because actually what the mindset that i tend to try to maintain is the fact that if i go there and in the likelihood that some antifa thug or whomever sucker punches me from behind with a center block who's going to take care of my wife and kids sure because we're not going there to fight but there are people going there to fight and attack us. Instigate a fight. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, that's I think what it they comes want. down to, so protests, especially of this nature, I think, um, you know, it's not the same as, so I, I think when people hear protest up until maybe last year, up until 2020, when I would hear protest, I always thought about um this image of like people in the sixties and the peace and love. And we're going right. to have like a Just calmly walk. We're going to have street. a die in or cry in or whatever crap they used to do. Um, and, you know, now these, um, mostly nonviolent protests are pretty freaking violent. Yep. And so going back to what we were just talking about a minute ago, my brain is going to run that equation. How likely am I to die? I mean, <laughs> there's a probability Right. right. Yeah. So for me, if I'm not accomplishing anything and there's a threat that I'm going to die, that's that's pretty much an <laughs> automatic no for me. Right. Yeah. I think that is part of the, the 
the bother on my side is that the outcome for probably the vast majority is positive, but there is a likelihood of such a highly negative outcome. Think of the way the media is, think of uh, Nick Sandman, right? Sure. Like here's a kid just standing there minding his own business and a liar comes up and gets in his face, an activist, a rabid known fabricator starts banging a drum in this kid's face and the kid just stands there and does the only thing he can think to do, which is to remain calm and non-confrontational and give the man a small smile. You could call it a smirk if you want. Which was clearly the right thing to do. Yeah, just don't instigate. Leave it alone. That guy bangs that drum in that kid's face. And then he gets crucified by the media. Now, he'll never have to work a day in his life. Good for him and all that. But think of what he went through where now he's a household name to anybody that pays attention to the things that are happening in the world today. He's a household name. His reputation is in tatters wrongfully, by the way. He seems to be like a really good guy all around if you're not watching the, the news. But my point is that is the price you could pay just for showing up. And like you said, what's the outcome? What's accomplished? Um, Travis Haley... Do you have that post available? I do. Can you clean it up and read it? <laughs> uh, I'll try my best. Thank you. Because I think this speaks to kind of the mindset of if you're going there to accomplish something, go there and accomplish it. But otherwise. Yeah, so Travis posted this on his personal Instagram page. If you're not following, you, probably, you probably should. Uh, it's dragon at Dragonfly Haley on Instagram. And I think uh, he might be on Parlor too. I'm not sure. I know uh, his company, Haley Strategic, is. Uh, but he says here, the go-to-war debate. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. And in parentheses, he says, we are here. Uh, he goes on to say, I listen to a lot of people, specifically the want-to-be constitutionalists, three-percenters, patriots, etc., out there. And you talk about violence is the way. Just remember, if you fit into this crowd, then you're not an asset, you're a liability. I couldn't agree more yeah, there. That's um, true. There are politicians and there are war fighters. Pick one. One should be speaking right now, and the other one should keep their hmm. mouth shut. Uh, it's America, and you have to let the politicians do their job. Now, I, I'm going to interject here. That may not be fun for a lot of people. But I think what he's saying has some validity. So, um, you know, I think he is making a, a broader point than you should blindly trust politicians. So don't don't read into it the wrong way. Um. So he then he says uh, if they if they do not, uh, that's when strong men create good times. Uh, I implore you to self reflect, to be consciously aware, be reserved, be a thinker to realize that the warfighter can only sit back and wait until it's time. When is that time? Trust me, people that understand true violence know that the way, uh, and they are not the only ones talking like that right now. Today requires a different type of patriot, a different type of constitutionalist, a different type of American. We can listen from our past so that we don't recreate it. Be swift, be silent, be deadly, and die free, my friends. I, I think that's um, 
very reminiscent of the founding of this country because it is what our founders did. It is what the Washingtons and Jeffersons of the world did where we said, uh, they said to their politicians at the time, this is what this is what we need of you. This is what we demand of you. And when those politicians said no, then they said, okay, then with all due respect, we, we're going to peacefully withdraw from your union. This is us absolving ourselves of any allegiance to the crown. We've tried, we've tried, we've tried, we've exhausted every effort. They give their list of grievances in the Declaration of Independence. 13, right? 12, 13, list of 12 yep. or 13 grievances uh, between them and the king, maybe even more. It's a whole lot, and it's very well laid out. And they say, here's all the things he's done that, that go against man's natural rights. And so we now declare ourselves you know, free and independent nation. And um, they wanted peace. They wanted peace. They wanted... Yeah, I, and I think, I think that's the point that Travis is trying to make here is, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys out there puffing their chests up mm-hmm. and, and banging the war drums, so to speak. And, uh, you know, while it, you and I may not trust politicians, I do think that it's the right thing to do uh, to give them an opportunity, let it run its course, yeah. because I think violence should be the last resort. I think the founders agreed on that. They didn't just go out and literally start shooting people. Right. Uh, there was there was a back and forth, you know, there was a dialogue there mm-hmm. um, that ultimately, I think, reached ahead to where there was no more room for compromise. And, and that's, you know, essentially what kicked things off. Yeah. I see some similarities between that and where we are now. Are we to that point? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I think we may know more, you know, in the next days or months. Um, I, I think there's a lot riding on that, but, it, you know, nobody knows the future. So I, I think, and this kind of ties back into your question about would you go, I think there's too many people, and I think that's why Travis made this post, that are too willing to go out and pull a trigger because it's easy. Right. Um, and not fully understand the consequences or the chain reaction that that could create. Yeah, and and I think that's worth kind of looping back to is not really talking here about, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're not talking about typical peacetime protests, right? There's a difference between if you'd invited me to go and march for whatever five years ago, fine. Or, for instance, here's a great example. We had a march scheduled for Operation Underground Railroad in downtown Greenville. And we were all ready to do it. And then they canceled it because whatever political thing had broken out. Hmm. I think it was the Epstein scandal that had hit the news. I think that's right. And they sent an email and said, please don't hold any sort of uh, mass congregation events. Don't get together. Um, We're going to kind of reassess things because what they were finding is that when people uh, were were rallying for places like OUR, and by the way, Travis Haley went to one out there in Phoenix before this announcement came out. Yeah, I was just about to make Um, that point. Was There's a perfect example of uh, a guy, I think, practicing what he preaches – Right. As somebody who is fully capable to go out and shoot people in the face, um, 
he's not above protesting. Right. When it's the right place and the right time and for the right cause. Well, I, but that's, yeah, and I think that's to the bigger point is that we've reached a place now where I think the vast majority of the people at the D.C. protest will be there to peacefully protest. But there's two factions that are going there to be violent against each other. And I just want to stay as far away from that as possible. That's what bothers me about it. Right? I think that's fair. Okay. All right. Um, well, <laughs> is what it is, I guess. Um, best of luck if you're headed out there. Be safe, please. If you go out there, please be safe. Okay? Fair I enough. I think even, even above be safe, just be level-headed. Yeah. Don't go out there to to be a part of the problem. Fair. Okay, uh, the Daily Wire has this great story, evidence emerging that a story Senator Kamala Harris told Elle magazine in October about demanding civil rights from the time she was in a stroller was seemingly lifted from a story told by Martin Luther King Jr. to Playboy in 1965. Elle's glowing profile, which reads like nothing more than propaganda, says, quote, Senator Kamala Harris started her life's work young. It's a weird way to talk about hopping in the sack with some dude, but okay. Uh, she, what? Yikes. Patrick, stop with that kind of talk. Sorry, sir. It is how she got her start, though. Uh, she laughs from her gut the way you would with family as she remembers being wheeled through an Oakland, California civil rights march. I'm going to stop you right there. Mm-hmm. Every time she's laughing, so, know that she is lying. Yeah, right. She, it is the worst tell yeah. I think I've ever seen. It's her nervous Of tick. any politician. Mm-hmm. She laughs from her gut because she's a liar. End of story. Uh, she laughs from her gut the way you would with family. And she, that's the show. <laughs> as she Join remembers it. being wheeled through an Oakland, California civil rights march in a stroller with no straps with her parents and her uncle. At some point, she fell from the stroller few safety regulations existed for children's equipment back then and the adults caught up in the rapture of protest just kept on marching what kind of parents are these can we pause for a second and just talk about this didn't notice their kid fell out of a stroller and kept rolling yeah there's no parent of any decent repute that has lived in all of eternity that wouldn't notice their child falling out of a stroller when combined mom and dad together but I digress. By the time they noticed little Kamala was gone and doubled back, she was understandably upset. Says Harris, my mother tells the story about how I'm fussing. And she's like, baby, what do you want? What do you need? And I just looked at her and I said, freedom. When the interview reemerged on Twitter this week, McLean's contributing editor, uh, Andre Domice, noted how closely Harris's childhood tale resembled a story King told Playboy more than half a century ago. During an interview with Alex Haley, King answered a question about the burdens of being the leader of the civil rights movement, saying, I'll never forget a moment in Birmingham when a white policeman accosted a little girl, seven or eight years old, who was walking in a demonstration with her mother. What do you want? The policeman asked her gruffly. And the little girl looked him straight in the eye and answered, feed him. She couldn't even pronounce it, but she knew. It was beautiful. Many times when I've been in sorely trying situations, the memory of that little one has come into my mind and has buoyed me. 
Harris has attempted before to profit politically from stories about her involvement with the civil rights movement, even using it as a weapon against Joe Biden Mm. in the Democratic primary. In June 2019, you'll remember that Harris jabbed Biden for his opposition to forced integration of public schools through busing decades ago. By the way, same Joe Biden who said integrating the schools would turn them into jungles. Yes, sir. And he did not want his kids in jungles. Also, same Joe Biden, who said poor kids are as smart as white kids. So, there's that. But hey, 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 hey. Principles? Principles? Not, you know, not when there's power to be had. A lot of politicians Set them aside. lie to you. Yeah, that's A true. lot of them do not like to tell the truth. It's one thing you can say about Joe Biden. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels. <laughs> he, just, he just says it. He just says it. Um, it's clearly to a point that it's absurd like I said at the top, anybody willing to believe Kamala Harris uh, needs to examine themselves thoroughly. It's kind of like you're just looking for something to believe in, to reaffirm whatever beliefs you've already set in place. Don't you find it funny that a person in her position, so a woman of color mm-hmm. who has um, had a... um a career and a life that most people could only imagine. Yeah. Is now handed to her by her first boyfriend. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about the means. I'm talking about just the fact that she's, I'm talking about what my first boyfriend gave me. This is not, not that. All right. We, we, that's, that is not what this show is going to be, mm. Chris. I don't know what is happening right now, but this Sorry is, about this that. got really weird. Sorry. Good. Uh, <laughs> so she's the vice president elect. It right? wasn't a DA position. That's all I'm saying. Okay, fine. She's the vice president-elect. She's the vice president-elect. So it makes me wonder, if you're in that position now, mm-hmm. why are you con- continuing to try to sell it? Right. Like, what is missing in your life where you feel the need to perpetuate a lie or go out and tell these stories that, frankly, are just unbelievable? Like, what is going on in your head that you think, yeah. I wonder if they see through the, the veil of fraud that I am, so I'm going to continue to try to, you know, wrap myself in it. Yeah. I think either narcissism or a desperate plea guilt. for acceptance. Yeah, maybe some guilt. But I mean, guilt about, like, previous lies is what I'm talking about. Oh, sure. You know, I... <laughs> Speaking of lying, I'm a parent, um, and I lie to my kids a lot, to a degree. I want to scare them straight. And so, you know, I'll point out to my kids a lot that there's not a lot you're going to get away with in this world. There's not a whole lot of wrong that can be done anymore that won't be found out. I mean, even if you go to the most gruesome of scenarios, we got DNA to find murderers, right? Like, you know, a drop of sweat rolls off your forehead. Lands on the carpet, they'll find you. Wait, so, so what? Yeah, what, what, what? How does that work? All right, so my my first boyfriend. <laughs> if they ever find the body, uh, <laughs> drop his sweat. Yeah, so you know, I, and I'll, I'll I'll hint to him. You know, there's just so little you can do anymore. Not get caught. There's cameras everywhere. Everything's on tape. Blah blah blah. On and on. How do, how do they not know that they'll get caught? How does she feel like she can just tell this story 
And maybe, to her credit, I'll give her this much credit. Maybe she thought it was an original lie. Not that King was lying, but maybe she just thought, oh, I have this great story. I just thought, I thought of this story in my head about me being little. And she forgot that she was lifting it from King's true story. I'm impressed that, because um, I wouldn't have guessed that she was a Playboy subscriber. So that's right. maybe a newfound respect. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> Is that even still a thing? I don't even know if that Playboy still exists. I, I don't. Didn't he die? Yeah, Hugh Hefner died. But, yeah. I mean, is no one carrying that torch? Oh. Uh, I guess you don't need to anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It's all online. Yeah. Who would? Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm amazed that anyone would think. So she had to have not realized where she was lifting the story, is my point. Oh, yeah. I'm she sure started she, she telling probably it. heard it somewhere and then thought, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna tweak this a smidgen, and I'm gonna make it my own. I'm remembering when Elizabeth Warren got caught. She was telling that story about how she grew up on the farm, and one day she met a young pilgrim soldier, and his name was John Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to correct her. And she was like, "Oh yeah, it wasn't me." Yeah. She traded him some me. wampum. <laughs> I had some corn maze. Oh, man. And that's how the first Thanksgiving was founded. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about body armor. Uh, they're looking to possibly make this stuff illegal in New York. Grab it while you can. Fear mongering. AR-500 makes tools of liberty like body armor, plate carriers, and tactical accessories for the defense of every free man's God-given rights, all Steel Core AR-500 armor is proudly manufactured in Phoenix, Arizona. Learn more about them at feltrecoilshow.com slash AR-500. That's feltrecoilshow.com slash AR-500. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Yeah. Let's swing it over to the opening. Is it the 117th Congress? Is that where we are? Am I yep. saying that correctly? I think so. Uh, yes, the 117th Congress, which began on January 3rd. Here is Missouri Democrat Emmanuel Cleaver. And I'll preface before we even get into it, not the same guy who thought Guam would tip over if too many people went there because it's an island. Mm. No, no. That was Frank Johnson of Georgia. This, this is a different Democrat who's also a, a voter. Here he is. Opening, Imagine that. Yeah. Opening the 117th session of Congress with a prayer to Brahma, the Hindu god of creation. The opener is not what's getting everyone's attention. It's the closer. Let's give it a listen. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. Peace in our families. Peace across this land. And dare I ask, O oh Lord, peace even in this chamber, now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. Amen. And a woman. The represent- Isn't it fun? Like, you ever, maybe you're not like me, 
I know what it's like to tell, a, to tell a joke in a room full of people and nobody laughs. They all just look at you. I could see where I could see where you would live that. Yep. It's mm-hmm. it's that same I don't have that problem. sinking feeling. I know that man had. He was expecting some sort of reaction from people. And then Oh yeah. to come to realize that amen has absolutely nothing to do with men versus women or what? gender in general at all. All this ever. time. All this time. You had no idea. Mind is blown. You had no idea, did you? What point was he trying to prove? Well, you know, uh, they... So I think every every Congress, before they kick it off... So this, this is 117, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like... To me, I think of like UFC. I think they're at like 117, too, somewhere fair, around the same. Fair, Um It's really large numbers that nobody really fully understands how we got there. Um, much like this show. Every fight counts. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I was going with this now. Uh, so it's 117. Yeah. So they, they start out with the rules and yeah. part yeah. of the, part of their, uh, the rules that were proposed for this session of Congress was they were going to do away with, um, all gendered terms. So you can't say mother, father, mm-hmm. aunt, uncle, mm-hmm. everything must be they, them, us, you, whatever. So, um, I think that's where this started. I haven't seen anyone drawing that line, though, in any of the... the you think that's why he this. added woman? I think that is exactly why I did To it. defy the rules or to abide by them? To stay neutral? Um, I think uh, to make a point that, that this was going to be the way they were going to do it was uh, in, in all... Uh, or in the, the most fair way possible. So, if he had to say amen... Then he's going to say a woman. I see. I see. My, just, just one man's opinion. I have a bigger takeaway with it. In fact, I have a much larger problem with it as well. I I, I never would have guessed that. I don't Continue. like that the prayer was written down and he was reading the entire thing. And I don't like how flowery he tried to make it, like a show-off. In fact... I just had a talk with my six-year-old son this week because the big thing at our dinner table now is who gets to pray for the food. And so it didn't take long when you have three kids uh, and you say, who would like to pray? And then that turns into a fight. It didn't take long at all, maybe even the first time. I said, you know what? Um, everybody can pray. God doesn't care. So you can you can all pray. And so our two younger kids will each say a prayer every night before dinner, and now it has recently evolved into fighting over who had their eyes open. And, <laughs> you know, so obviously that becomes, well, how did you know if your eyes weren't open? Oh, you know. And so anyway, um, just this week, a couple nights ago even, uh, my six-year-old prayed, and he stopped praying halfway through to inform me that his sister didn't have her eyes closed. And so I said, okay, just everybody close your eyes, finish your prayer. And uh, he did, and then she did her prayer. And I turned back to him, I said, did you know that in the Bible, Jesus says you should go into your closet to pray? Go into your closet, shut the door, get on your knees to say your prayers. You know why that is? He's like, nope. I said, because you should never do it in order to have people think more highly of you on the other side. You shouldn't do it as a way to show off. So it shouldn't matter to you when you pray if other people have their eyes closed or not. 
And I thought about that when I watched this guy's speech. Uh, his, well, I, I would call it more of a speech than a prayer because he's reading the whole thing, A. It's very political, B. Doesn't seem heartfelt, C. It's one thing if you're writing a prayer down because you're getting up in front of church and you're going to be a little nervous and you'd like some bullet points. Nobody's going to fault you for that. I can see that. It's another thing to write a prayer down because you really want to hammer some sort of point home rather than maybe be led by the Spirit to give an actual prayer. Or that your your agenda is so hollow you can't remember it. It's so crazy. Yes, exactly right. Uh, So I was actually more insulted by that than I was the amen or a woman. Um, I'll tell you what insulted me. Yes. Um, uh, The reference to uh, Brahma, he left off all the other Indian gods. I don't know how many there are, but there's a bunch. So, yeah. don't know why I picked one over the others. That seems a little... I don't either. Well, you know, I don't know why we're picking favorites here. And then, no mention of Muhammad. Ooh. So, I can only imagine Yikes. how pissed off Omar is right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, brother. And then I like how he had to kind of like quantify uh, at the end there the monotheistic God that some people may know or not know or whatever. I don't even know what he said. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was gibberish. Because monotheism is definitely not Hinduism. No, right, yeah. <laughs> like there couldn't be. Well, I think he's saying that in addition to. Like he, oh, is like, he? I, okay. I, that's, I, at least that's the way I interpret it. I mean, I don't know. Saying. We're gonna we're gonna pray to the Indian God over here and the monotheistic God. Okay, let's see. Now and evermore, we ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names by many different faiths. Amen. Okay, so you're you're right. I mean, he's saying we pray it in the name of the monotheistic God and in the name of Brahma. Now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names. Yeah. He, he called no, Brahma right. monotheistic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're not, neither one of us is wrong here. It's an absurd diatribe of poorly connected thought. But it's so, it, but it's it should really, have sold everyone. Really, it's so bad. He, right. That's why it's botched. Mm. I remember. Being at a dinner in Birmingham, Alabama with two friends. And I'll let them remain nameless in case they hate me. Um, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Cheech and Chong. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, but uh, Hafiz was uh, Muslim, not devout. And uh, Shavin was Hindu, um, somewhat devout, I do believe. And... Uh, we got on the topic of religion, and I was asking some questions because I, I don't remember the name of the Hindu god, but there's a Hindu god who the story is he was a young boy who stuck his head in a tree, and it got stuck, and it came off when he got pulled out, and it was replaced with an elephant's head. That's a story. That's, like, yep. real to them. Mm-hmm. And I was asking about that, and I was like, so is it, a literal belief, do you believe that actually happened? Or is it more like a you know, a parable? Like Jesus told parables, and so we believe that there's truth in the story, but we don't actually believe those stories happened. 
He said, oh, no, 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 like it's, it's a belief. We believe it actually happened. And I thought, how interesting. But, but I try, you know, I was trying to be polite about it because I'm truly curious about the religion. Um, and I said to him and, and to both of them, I said, but you know what? I want to say how great it is we live in a place where a Hindu, a Christian, and a Muslim can, are, are literally sitting here having dinner together, talking about our faiths, and I don't hate you for yours, and I don't hate you for yours, and you're not mad at me over mine, and we can just live together and still be friends. And I say, you know, I'll, I'll have jokes about it, I'm sure, but I just think I think it's great, and uh, you know, that we're all able to kind of coalesce that way, um, and that's kind of what the country's supposed to be about, anyway. All right. Anyway, uh, so there's that. there's Emmanuel Cleaver, our Voda of the. Week and probably, by the way, probably one of my favorites in a very, very long time. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the hundred club. All right. As always, we appreciate you being here. You can find all of our episodes of all time ever at FeltRecoilShow.com. You'll get new episodes every Tuesday morning wherever you like to get your podcasts. Plus, on our website there, you can find the links to My Patriot Supply. You can find the links to AR-500 Armor. And uh, in the meantime, in between time, if you would like to send a message, feel free. Chris, K-R-I-S, at FeltRecoilShow.com. We'll see you in seven days for one more episode of the Felt Recall Podcast. Oh,